Welcome to Sermons from Bailey Road. You are about to hear a sermon given at Bailey Road Baptist Church. Bailey Road is a small Bible-believing church located in North Jackson, Ohio, and is pastored by Pastor Aaron Smith. We are dedicated to serving the Lord through our people and through our teaching. We hope you are enlightened by today's message, and again, welcome to Bailey Road Baptist Church. Chapter number 11 is where we'll be. We've been uh, for several weeks now going through this uh, great chapter in the Word of God. Uh, normally or usually often referred to as uh, the great hall of faith. And uh, many of believers in God uh, from the Old Testament, uh, God placed in one chapter uh, to summarize the faith that they had. I I don't know about you, but uh, for me, I've noticed that in uh, in the Christian life, again, as we've been going through this chapter, uh, verse by verse and story by story, it is very easy to talk about faith, isn't it? I mean, it's easy. We talk about it, we preach about it, uh, we think about it, but when it comes to putting it in practice, of actually exercising faith, it is sometimes difficult, isn't it? As we come to our passage this morning, two weeks ago before our missions conference, we uh, considered the faith of Moses' parents in verse number 23. And we, we really just took that particular verse and then uh, we stopped there and we're going to pick up at verse number 24 this morning where the Scripture says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he, or lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them." As we study and look at the life of Moses, of course, God here in this wonderful chapter gives a great picture of faith in the life of Moses. And as I have read through and studied the life of Moses, I concur with, obviously, the book of Hebrews in chapter 11 and seeing Moses as a man of great faith. A man of great faith, but... We would be amiss if we did not also talk about and expose where God exposes the doubt that Moses also had. Amidst the faith that Moses had, he was sometimes crippled with doubt. And that is not an indictment against Moses' faith or even Moses' walk with God, for uh, I too often... Uh, can have great faith or some faith or even little faith, but I too have my times of being crippled with doubt, of being crippled with knowing what to do. 
And so this morning, as we consider this, um, this story of Moses and where the Scripture talks about his faith, I, I want to uh, attempt today to discuss with you uh, about Moses, a man who lived a life of doubt with faith. With doubt and faith. So we're going to pray this morning, and then we'll jump right into this today. Let's pray together, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, I come to you once again. God, as we read your word and we study this passage this day, and uh, some may have been looking ahead in Hebrews chapter 11 and uh, reading the story of Moses, and, uh, but God, you've brought us here for this time that we might hear from you. God, I don't want to be seen this morning. Uh, within. And so, God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Uh, and, God, that you would be seen, that you would be heard. Uh, may, may my thoughts and opinions be removed uh, from this message, from your word. Uh, God, that you would be honored and glorified by it. And, Father, that it would uh, speak to the hearers and that the hearers would not just hear but also uh, be doers in faith. And God, I pray that these next few moments would be profitable uh, in each one of our Christian lives. And as we prayed earlier, God, if there's anyone here that does not know your Son as their personal Lord and Savior, uh, God, may uh, these words and these thoughts uh, bring them to a place of repentance in crying out to you to save their soul as only you can. And God, we will, uh, of course, uh, give you the honor and glory for what is due your holy name. We pray and ask these things in the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Uh, anytime I uh, think about uh, Moses and the story of Moses, of course, uh, we always think about uh, Moses' is, uh, leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And I heard uh, many years ago, not original with me, but I heard uh, somebody tell a story about a, a preacher who was preaching. And uh, in the church service, he uh, from the back, there, there are some churches you go to that are very vocal, and uh, this particular church wasn't uh, extremely vocal in their response to the preaching. But there was one uh, elderly gentleman that sat toward the back of the church, and as the preacher was preaching, he would uh, occasionally say, preach on, Pharaoh, preach on. And the preacher would keep on preaching. And as he kept on preaching, a little later, the, the old man would say, preach on, Pharaoh, preach on. And the preacher kept on preaching. As the time went by, he, he began to wonder why the elderly man kept saying, preach on, Pharaoh, preach on. And so at the conclusion of the service, they, of course, as many churches do, the pastor stood in the back and greeted folks as they left. And uh, the, he decided to ask the elderly gentleman uh, what he was saying. And he, he asked him, he stopped and he said, uh, he said excuse me, sir, I, I, I think I understood you to say preach on Pharaoh, and, uh, but it was a little muffled and I couldn't really quite make out what you were saying. Is that what you were saying? And he said, oh, yes, I just kept saying preach on Pharaoh preach on. And he's like, well, do you mind if I ask why you would respond that way? And he stopped and he said, as only an elderly gentleman can, he said, well, he said, you know, Pharaoh didn't let God's people go and I figured you weren't going to let us go either. <laughs> preach on, Pharaoh, preach on, right? 
And so here, here's the deal. If I hear somebody say, preach on, Pharaoh, I know we've gone too long. Uh, and so you, you have that permission uh, this morning, but uh, uh, amen. So Moses, the faith of Moses started with his parents as his mother took him as a baby and hid him uh, within the bulrushes, within the, uh, the, the weeds there by the riverside. As we looked at two weeks ago, uh, Pharaoh's daughter uh, found Moses, brought him into her house, and raised, Fa- or raised, Pharaoh, uh, raised Moses in Pharaoh's house as her own son. Moses lived as an Egyptian would live. I think we often fail to recognize the fact that Moses uh, was, for all intents and purposes, an Egyptian. He was raised in Egyptian schools, taught the Egyptian ways. But there was something inside Moses that knew he was different. I'm not certain if uh, they had told Moses that he was one of the Hebrews' children or not. But there was something inside of Moses that we find in the book of Exodus in the second chapter. Now, I want you to find Exodus chapter 2, but I also want you to hold your place here in Hebrews chapter 11 because uh, we're, we're going to go a little bit back and forth between these uh, two books, between Hebrews 11 and the book of Exodus, because I want you to see uh, where the Scripture says in Hebrews, and then we're going to find the, uh, the counterpart story in the book of Exodus. But I want you to notice in verse number 24 of the book of Hebrews, it says, By faith, when Moses was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused it. He refused it. And we find back in Exodus chapter 2, this is where uh, Pharaoh's daughter had found Moses. And in verse number 11 is where we're going to begin this morning. And it says this. It says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. When he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me? as thou killedest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. We find here just a few verses that gives a little bit more background Uh, Then Hebrews chapter 11 as to what is taking place in the mind of Moses as he has again grown up in Pharaoh's house, in Pharaoh's daughter's house, and she raised him as a son. You'll take note here in Exodus chapter 2 that even the, the Hebrews did not accept Moses as an Hebrew. 
They didn't accept him as such. And you can see that here as he is, as Hebrews describes, he's not wanting to be known as Pharaoh's daughter anymore. He understands that he is a Hebrew and he goes out to see the burden of the people that he truly belongs to. And he sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew man. And then notice it says in verse number 11, one of his brethren. You can imagine, as Moses is there, uh, we, we understand through history that uh, as uh, the, the Hebrew slaves here in Egypt, they had one type of particular dress, and the Egyptians would dress another way. But also, as Moses, being part of Pharaoh's house, would have dressed even in a different way and maybe a little bit nicer. And so notice as he says, uh, Moses has seen what is taking place, and he doesn't like it. There's something inside of him that begins to be enraged as he watches this wrong take place. So Moses, he does a double take. He looks over here. He looks over here to see if anybody uh, is watching or see if anybody is near. And when he finally realizes nobody's around, he goes up to the Egyptian that was doing the wrong to his brother. And he killed him. Now I want you to notice as well that the Bible does speak of this as a wrong behavior, as a wrong act. As he buried him in the sand, on the second day, Moses comes back, and the Bible tells us that there were two men of the Hebrews, as they were working together, they said to him that, he said to him that did the wrong. He's talking to Moses. That did the wrong. He said, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? So when the Hebrews came, they said, we saw you. Now what Moses was thinking was he was defending his brethren. He was defending the wrong that was done uh, to his Hebrew brother. But you see, the Hebrews didn't see it like that, did they? They wanted to know, why did you do that to your fellow? Basically saying, your fellow Egyptian. So here is Moses in a quandary. He's been raised as an Egyptian, but he knows he's not an Egyptian. He doesn't want to be called Pharaoh's, da Pharaoh's daughter's son any longer. But yet, when he goes to the Hebrews, they just look at him as another Egyptian. He's in a place that he is going to have to exercise a certain amount of faith in his life. And by faith, Moses ignored the consequences of his decision. Now, in that, he knew that if he were to get caught killing an Egyptian man, that it would not be good. That's why he did it, trying to hide. That's why he hid the body. That's why he buried the body and left it. And when he found out that it was known, he thought, they're going to tell Pharaoh. And in that, he packed up, grabbed his things, and fled from Egypt. In fleeing from Egypt, he finds himself in Midian and does a couple of acts, and they too uh, recognized him as an Egyptian. If you'll notice in verse number 19, as the seven daughters 
uh, came back and told their father that this man had uh, filled their, their water for them and ran some other guys off. In verse number 19, they said to him, they said, an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds. They didn't look at Moses as a Hebrew. They looked at him as an Egyptian. From this, as he hid himself, he was able to stay there for several years. He married, started having children, and his life continued, but not as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, because he had faith. Faith often is going to require us to ignore the consequences. We must remember that in every decision that we make in life, it has consequences. Some consequences are bad. We usually look at consequences in that light that, uh, you know, we're going to have bad results or bad consequences. But can I just say, uh, just by uh, a way of helping, that there are good consequences. Consequences are simply the result of a decision. It's a result of a decision. And in this, Moses said, I'm going to make a decision, whether it was a rash decision, whether it was an impulsive decision or not. He ignored the consequences. And he said, I'm going to make this decision. And it was truly by faith that Moses did this. Now, in this, if you'll look back at Hebrews chapter 11, in these verses that we were, uh, that we were looking at here, uh, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But notice it says, choosing rather, in verse 25, to suffer affliction with the people of God. Rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, Moses had a decision. And as wrong as it was in this, in this decision to slay the Egyptian man, I, I would dare say he could have chosen differently there. But he didn't. And so therefore, he had to go on the run. But notice it says that he chose to suffer in this decision. He chose to leave the, uh, the comfort of Egypt, if you will, and he's going to choose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He suffered in this decision. Now that may not make sense to you as it doesn't always make sense to me. Why would I make a decision... To suffer. Why would I make a decision to afflict myself? I will tell you, most times in, in our life, we do our best to avoid affliction, don't we? We do everything in our power to uh, not hurt. We do everything in our power not to uh, hurt ourselves physically or emotionally or spiritually. And yet, Moses said, I'm going to ignore the consequences of this decision and choose to suffer the affliction with the people of God. He could have enjoyed life. You know, the good life, so to speak. The good life. Moses had everything, again, growing up in Pharaoh's home. Pharaoh is the equivalent of the king of Egypt. 
We know Egypt to be a very prosperous place. And when you have a a prosperous country, you're going to have a prosperous king. You're going to have a prosperous king's family. And they lived like that. I would dare say that Moses probably had anything and everything he could have wanted. But he chose to suffer affliction. Rather, and understand this, I think this is a very important point here, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The key here is that while, yes, Moses uh, was going to, could have, I should say, enjoyed his life, Moses knew enough by faith to know that those pleasures don't last. You ever notice that in your own life? Pleasure doesn't always last, does it? It doesn't always last. I will tell you, there's nothing like we're going to sit down, we're going to eat a little bit later, and uh, if, there's, if there's pecan pie back there, I, I may enjoy a slice. But you know that enjoyment's only going to last as long as I have that pecan pie? Is that not right? Or we sit down and we say, oh man, I, I'm going to enjoy this steak. Well, how long do you enjoy a steak? Only as long as it's in front of you. You see, pleasure is temporary. It's not lasting. It's it's a season. And within this season of life, Moses is understanding, and I don't know where he came to this understanding, but the Bible says it was by faith that he said, I'm going to choose this over the pleasures of sin. Pleasures of sin. Yes, yeah, sin is pleasurable, but it's temporary. It doesn't last. And we know how sin wreaks havoc in lives. But the scripture continues here in Hebrews chapter 11 as he says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. The idea of esteeming the reproach is that shame or disgrace. He said he esteemed that. He, he lifted up that reproach to be higher, to be more important than the riches or the treasures that were in Egypt. Again, Moses had anything he wanted. What he didn't have was the peace of God. And By faith, he said, I'm going to esteem this reproach, the shame, the disgrace over what I might could have in Egypt. And the Bible says, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. That word recompense just simply means uh, compensation. You see, there's going to be a payday. And Moses understood that there was going to be a payday in Egypt, but that there would also be a payday in serving God. And by faith, he he stopped and he said, I'm going to ignore the consequences of the decision of leaving Egypt going with my brethren. Because there's a greater compensation than what Egypt could offer. In all of its riches, in all of its greatness, by faith, Moses ignored the consequences. I want you to see the second thing here this morning. As the Bible says in verse number 27, by faith, he forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king, 
for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. If you go back to the book of Exodus, if you held your place there, I want you to see a couple of things. As Moses, by faith, ignored the consequences, I want you to see that it was by faith that Moses influenced the carefulness of his attention. The carefulness of his attention. We find in Exodus chapter number 3, as Moses has gotten married, he has children now, and the Bible tells us that he is keeping the flock of Jethro, his father, in verse 1, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, and the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. As we read just a few moments ago in chapter 2, there was a time when Moses was afraid of the king of, the king of Egypt. That's why he ran for his life. Because he just knew as soon as Pharaoh finds out, it's not going to be good. And, and we learned again, as he did leave and, and go and Pharaoh found out, it was not good. There were consequences for his decision. But now again, it's been some time and Moses is all by himself. And he's keeping Jethro's flock and He's just walking by, minding his own business. He sees a bush, at least what was a bush, and it was on fire. It was on fire, which is rather strange. No one else around. How did the fire start? Was it that hot? We don't know. But we know that God was in the bush, and Moses got curious. And by faith, it was faith that influenced his carefulness to pay attention. He stopped. And he's like, I don't, I don't understand why this bush isn't burning all the way. I'm going to check this out. I'm going to see what's going on. I've never seen anything quite like this. And I don't know if Moses just stood there to see if the bush was going to burn up or how long it was going to take, but he stopped, and he's watching. And then the bush started talking. Excuse me? See, he focused his attention very carefully 
And God spoke to him. Listen, I, I think we would be of, of utmost importance to place this importance here of getting alone and spending time with God. God wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me. And you'll notice that God didn't speak to Moses when he was at home with his family. He didn't speak to Moses when he was with a crowd. No, it was when Moses was alone and he, got, and he appeared in this burning bush to get Moses' attention. Again, while Moses was once worried about the king, once he met God, and once he heard God, he feared the greater, the greater one than Pharaoh. And he looked and God said, Moses, Moses. He said, here, here am I. And he told him, he said, don't come any closer. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground right now. And God introduced himself. And I love this in verse number 6. He said, I am the God of thy father. You know, many times God introduces himself as he does later as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he reminded Moses, I am the God of your father. And he wasn't talking about Pharaoh. He was talking about his father. His father and his mother that had enough faith to place Moses as a proper child where they did so he could be raised and preserved for the cause of God. This was it. And it was his faith that influenced the carefulness of his attention. He gave it here. He said, I am thy God. He was afraid to look upon God as you and I would be as well. But the Lord said this in verse number 7. Notice, He said, I have surely seen the attention of, my, of the affliction sorry, of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large and a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherein the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. It just got real in the life of Moses. Remember that Moses ignored the consequences of his decision? He didn't want what would happen at, if Pharaoh had found out, and so he went on the run. Well, listen, there was a consequence here. And the consequence was not his death. The consequence was that by faith, Moses was learning to trust God. 
And as he did, and as he learned to trust God more, God said, here's the consequence to that decision. I'm calling you to lead my children out of Egypt. Hello. Me? You want me? Because that's what he says in verse 11. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee, which thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt. Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, they shall say to me, well, What is his name? And what shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt, or thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go, and gather the elders of Israel together, and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you, and seen that which is done unto, or to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt, unto a land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites unto a land that flows or flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice. And thou shalt come to the elders of Israel and unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do, in the midst thereof, and after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor of her, and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment, that ye may put them on your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. By faith, Moses' influence, the faith influenced the carefulness of his attention. He gave it to God. But remember, while I said Moses lived a life of faith, but it was often crippled with doubt. 
a great sight that Moses had seen as he gave his attention to God. As God said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I'm going to be with you all the way, but you need to go give a message to Pharaoh, and he needs to let my people go. Go meet with the elders of Israel, but then you go and tell Pharaoh. And by the way, Moses, he's not going to let you go. And when he doesn't, I'm going to open up on him until he does. And if you, we don't have time necessarily to read into chapter 4, but I can tell you right now what happens here. Moses begins to doubt. He begins to come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. Every time God showed him something, Moses had another excuse as to why he couldn't do what God was asking him to do. How often do we have that same lack of faith in our Christian life? When we see from God's Word that by faith God is wanting us to move forward and to do certain things that we stop and we say, well, here's why I can't. Or here's why I shouldn't. And every step of the way, God gave to Moses an answer. And eventually, by faith, Moses went. And he went to Pharaoh, and again, you hopefully know uh, the story of Moses and of Pharaoh. Uh, one plague at a time, God brought to Egypt. And with each one, Moses would go to Pharaoh and say, Look, God's doing this. You need to let his people go. And Pharaoh would harden his heart and say no. He would say no. But I want you to notice back in Hebrews chapter 11, the last thing we see here is he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He gave his attention to God. But it says in verse number 28, through faith, he kept the Passover. The sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, Moses ignored the consequences of his decision. In faith, the faith of Moses influenced the carefulness of his attention. But can I give you the last thing this morning from Exodus chapter 12, that the faith of Moses impressed the choice to trust the Passover. To trust the Passover. If you'll go to Exodus chapter 12, I want to give you this and we'll close. God had given all the plagues. This one here, God specifically is telling Moses what to do. And it's very, very important that Moses would listen. That he would do exactly what God said to do. And not just that Moses would, but that all of the children of Israel would. And in chapter 12, in verse number 1, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel in the tenth day of this month. They shall... Take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their father, a lamb 
for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make you count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep and from the goats, or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and upon the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water but roast with fire his head and his legs and with the puritans thereof. The puritans is the the inner organs. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. Verse 11 says, And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12 gives all the explanation given. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. If you'll notice, Moses' faith is progressing. It started when he was in between, whether he was a Hebrew or an Egyptian. But he trusted God. As his faith grew, God eventually entrusted to him the leading out of the children of Israel, the message, even in all of his excuses that he gave to God, Moses by faith, Trusted him. Up to this point in Moses' life, this was going to take more faith than Moses could ever muster. This was serious. This was the difference between life and death. God said, Moses, I'm going to do something. But before I tell you what I'm going to do, let me tell you what you need to do. And what the children of Israel need to do. 
He said every man needs to go find a, find a lamb in the first year. They need to kill it. They need to eat it. They need to take the blood of that lamb and they need to put it on the doorpost on both sides and on the top. And he gave very explicit instructions, by the way, of what they were to do with the lamb, how they were to cook it, how they were to eat it, what they were to do with the leftovers. He said, this is it. And he said, the reason, Moses, is because I'm going to pass over. And anywhere that I see the blood is going to be safe. But where there's no blood, the firstborn in the house of the flocks, we're going to smite them. This is the judgment of God. And Moses, by faith, Trusted God. You see, Moses up to this point had seen God move. He had seen the other plagues. He had seen God move and he simply believed God. He trusted Him to do what God said He would do. The progression of Moses' faith is extremely strong. I wonder this morning, as we try to make some comparisons here in your life, when God looks at you, when He passes by your way, what does He see? What does He see? Trevor and I, I don't think we've ever purposefully coordinated the songs with messages, but we sang the first song this morning right out of the gate, Are You Washed in the Blood? I like the song. It's a great song. Got some good doctrine in it. But it asks a question. Are you washed in the blood? And not just any blood, but the blood of the Lamb. There's some significance there. As we consider Moses' faith and even the children of Israel's faith as they went to bed that night placing the blood on the door, they were trusting God to keep His Word. And He did. As God passed over that night, those that had the blood, safe and secure. Those that did not, the Bible describes uh, some of the worst cries that came out of Egypt when they discovered their firstborn's death within their home. By faith, Moses impressed the choice. It wasn't just in him, but in others as well. Today, God gives a different approach to the Passover. It's still a blood sacrifice. But in this sacrifice, it was the blood of His own Son. That the Bible describes as being the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And so I ask again, when God sees you in your life, 
when God sees within the depths of your soul and within your spirit, what does He see? Does He see the blood of Christ applied to your life? If He does, oh, glory to God, you're safe. But if the blood of Christ has not cleansed you of your sin, you're anything but safe. God gave that lamb to shed His blood. The Bible tells us that Jesus was buried and that He rose again the third day and that gave power to that blood to cleanse you and to cleanse me. Once and for all, the book of Hebrews says. Once and for all. What does God see in your life? Does He see the blood? Have you trusted Him? Have you, by faith, through grace, trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? He wants to save you. He wants to take that blood and apply it to your life that you might inherit eternal life and live forever with Him in heaven. But one of the things He's given us within this gift is the gift of a choice. The choice is yours. To either believe Him or not. To have faith in Him or not. You see, we're all sinners. And there's going to come a day that death is going to pass upon each one of us. And God's going to be looking for one thing. The blood of His Son. Upon you. That's it. Not how good you were. Not how many times you came to church. Not how much money you gave or how much good you tried to do on this earth. One thing that God requires, the blood of Christ. Is He going to pass over you? Because without that blood, eternal life will not be yours, but rather eternal death. Forever in a place called hell. A place that God created for the devil and his angels. Those that don't have the blood of Jesus Christ covering their sin will experience that same wrath for eternity. Simply trust Him. We'll have every head bowed, every eye closed this morning.